0: Welcome to the Talking Adapted PE Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Aarons. And before I get to our first guest on our first episode today, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what to expect from the show. Season one will feature eight to 10 episodes with a list of guests that I am really excited to be bringing you. On each episode, you'll hear from a different Adapted PE teacher who discusses what they encounter on a regular basis, We're also gonna mix in some fun questions like what is your favorite piece of equipment and what is one thing in your teaching bag you can't live without. I wanna thank each of you for tuning in. Please be patient as I'm trying to teach myself everything from editing to sharing with you, but I'm grateful you're gonna spend some time with me. Today I've got Matt Barker as our guest. I found Matt via Twitter as he regularly posts some really innovative ideas. I think you're gonna enjoy the conversation with Matt, even though we do nerd out about technology for a little bit. But enjoy the episode and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Adapted PE, Talking Adapted PE Podcast. You can tell I'm still new to this, trying to get used to doing these intros, but I've got a great guest here. I've got Matt Barker, who uh, I I have to tell everyone where I get most of my guests. I find him on Twitter and Matt's Twitter is filled with just awesome ideas. So uh, Matt Barker, welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor. Uh, I was just wondering, like, what made you uh, want to start this podcast? People though- know,
0: you know, <laughs> like all of us teachers and those of us that are balancing a thousand things. I thought I needed one more thing to keep me busy, you know. So, um, no, the, the real
1: reason,
0: <laughs> yeah, the the real the the real reason is is that I'm a big fan of Dr. Scott McNamara's "What's New in Adapted PE" podcast. Um, but I felt like there was a space for everyday adaptive physical education teachers to connect talk about what our environments look like talk about our assessment process talk about just those everyday things that we're experiencing i decided to you know buy a microphone and give it a go yeah i think it's a great idea awesome so hey um why don't you give everyone a little bit about yourself where you work i'm sure they're gonna be able to tell from your accent where you're from originally maybe you know number of years teaching populations you teach why don't you let everyone kind of know a little bit about yourself
1: yes i'm obviously very british uh... I moved over to the States in 2011 to work on a summer camp uh, with kids with special needs in Pennsylvania, Uh, and it kind of, like, absolutely changed my life. Uh, I I met my wife my first day in Manhattan, like, within a couple of hours of being in America, and then I went to work on this summer camp, and it was my first time working with children, first time working with children with uh, special needs, and I just fell in love with it, and that's what I've been doing ever since, working with kids with special needs, so... I started off uh, when I when I moved back to America in 2012, until my visa and stuff was sorted. I started out as an in IA in New Jersey, just that working. stand for and,
0: instructional aid is that instructional. Yeah, aid? yeah, like, uh, okay.
1: yeah. Like para para professional. Um, yeah. So I'd uh, go to these adapted P classes with the P teacher there, and I was just absolutely I had so much fun just like playing all the games, and I was just I was like, right, this is what I want to do. I was still working on my bachelor's at the time, like online. So uh, anyway, we moved down to Virginia. And I worked as a bit as a sub and then I did the DC Teaching Fellows, which is kind of like Teach for America. So I when I worked in Southeast DC uh, as a special ed teacher and I did that for two years. And then my second year there, uh, they didn't have a PE program. They didn't have a recess or anything. I was like, can I help start like a PE program here? So my second year, I was the PE teacher there. and. All, all I'd done before was a bit of coaching. I was a soccer coach, and then I started a rugby program at the school as well, and we played in some tournaments, which was really fun. So, uh, so that was great. And then the the plan was always to go, get, finally get over to adapted PE. So I merged the adapted PE and the special ed, and came over to Virginia, where I've been. For six years. Yeah, so Fairfax County is the 10th biggest county in the country. Uh, and it's the biggest in Virginia. Uh, and we have a huge Adapted P program. We've got about 55 itinerant teachers and then around 30 or 40 uh, school based teachers who at least teach a section of Adapted P uh, in, in their school. Uh, so yeah, it's a real great pool of like experienced teachers and people people are doing all this great stuff that's so a great great uh environment to uh to work in and then so i teach uh, a self-contained class at middle school so i'll start my day there every day uh i do 40 a 45 minute class and i absolutely love it it's uh, i get i'm like the lead teacher so i get to plan and do all that stuff uh, and then i spend the rest of my day i travel traveling around four different elementary schools providing ap services in small groups in the gen ed and um, we've got programs like enhanced autism, ID, IDS programs, and then just pushing in with those gen ed kids too. So yeah, I've been teaching Adaptive P for six years. Uh, this is my sixth year and I, it's like my dream job. So I'm, I'm really happy. How did uh, I, how did you get into Adaptive P because I, I know you're a you were in London twenty twelve, right? Olympics.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good call out on your part there. So my story, um, I don't know if you know this, but in the United States, when you're a senior in high school, you put like your senior memories in your yearbook and right. you you say what like where what will you be doing in 10 years? And mine actually said I was going to be an adapted PE teacher. So I, it's what I my sister had worked in a school as a physical therapist assistant for kids with cerebral palsy. I also happen to have a mild case of CP. So it, and she came home one day talking about their PE program and adapted physical education. And so um, even as a 16, 17 year old, I was really intrigued about it. So I went off to SUNY Brockport, which is obviously a pretty well-known program for, uh, for adapted PE, Um, you know, studied under the likes of Dr. Joe Winnick and Dr. Lauren Lieberman. And so I finished my undergrad and then jumped into training full-time for the U S Paralympic soccer team. We I We didn't qualify for the Beijing Games. So it meant I had to figure out kind of what was next for me professionally. And I knew I wanted to get my grad work. And so Brockport had uh, a grant through the federal government and they had an opening starting in January for that spring semester. So January of 2008. And so I jumped on that and did the accelerated one year program. So undergrad and grad school Brockport. A job opening just happened to open in San Diego. It's where we were training for the Paralympic soccer team. So for me, it made too much sense. I could advance professionally while also still chasing that dream. Um, So I started my teaching career in January of 09, um, coming up on my anniversary here. I guess I just had it. And then we did on the soccer side of things, we did qualify for the London 2012 Paralympics incredible experience I would not advise anyone to go look up our results though because they were less than stellar so um, I think it's a bad sign when I was you know one of your starting defenders maybe that was part of the problem but nonetheless it was still amazing I mean from opening ceremonies walking into the stadium with the queen there and the royal family and hearing chants of USA I mean just awesome stuff especially as a going from a kid with a disability to growing up and you know competing on a global stage it was it was just great it's helped shape I am as an adult, quite honestly. So so yeah, so for a number of years I was balancing the soccer and teaching adaptive physical education in San Diego City Schools or San Diego Unified School District. Um, I'm one of 39 people that do my job. Um, I'm also one of the leads for the department. So it's shared amongst three of us. And so we oversee the, you know, sort of day to day operations. We assign our school sites, we, you know, we lead professional developments, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, so that was kind of a long winded way of talking about my background getting into it. I teach right now I'm just at the high school level, but I've taught everything from preschool up through now high school. And um, it's been a fascinating journey and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So um, truly
1: is uh, the best job in the world. I think. I like, can you think I, of a I, job that would be
0: better? <laughs> I, talk, I tell people that all the time. Like yeah. people, I talk to people who are obviously they have, you know, like a classroom teacher in mind and they're like, you travel between schools. Isn't that really like, isn't that hard or isn't that less than ideal? I'm like, first of all, my kids are awesome. And then two, I get to mentally reset in the car get ready for my next lesson. What do I, what do I have planned? What do I want to do? Maybe I want to tweak something. Cause I just tried it at one school and then I have time to reset in the car and get it going, you know? So I, 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 couldn't agree more. I think it's the best job and we're totally spoiled by it. I I'm curious though. So, so part of my, my mission here was that I think our job looks so different around the country, and I didn't know if just in a couple sentences you could maybe describe what your credential program looks like. Because in California, individuals get a four-year degree, and then they go on for a fifth year in a credential program. But in New York, where I'm from, we majored in our major of education, or physical education in this case with a concentration in adaptive PE. Went on, student taught our last semester, graduated as a teacher, didn't have to stay on, could go try to be a teacher. And then at some point we needed to go to grad school, but I'm just curious if you can briefly talk about your credential program.
1: Yeah. So to teach adaptive PE in Virginia, you just need a uh, uh licensure and then obviously impress enough with like knowledge about adaptive PE and like in interviews and stuff, you need to like show you're passionate, but yeah, just a, uh, PE certificate is uh, enough. I I had my PE and uh, special ed, so that was helpful in getting the job. But yeah, um, we don't require the APENs or anything like that just yet. But in the future, they'll be like looking towards. Yeah, it's interesting. uh,
0: But it's interesting because in California, we do have an adaptive PE credential that you have to have. So for me coming from out of state, I had to send my transcripts just north of me to Cal State Long Beach, which has a a really well-known program. And at the time it was Dr. Barry LeVay, I think it's Melissa Bittner that takes care of it now. But they had to go through my transcripts and basically say, You've met what we need in California. So so right. to teach so to teach in California, you do have to have the adapt P credential. I know we're actually on the, I think on the just one of the few states that actually has that though. So in my district, Matt, like three designations within our special ed community. And so And and candidly, I don't necessarily love the names because I know we're moving away from labeling things as severe as opposed to level of supports. But we still call them mild-moderate and then moderate-severe. And then we also have what we call them MPC or medically and physically challenged, which I think most other districts call as multiple disabilities. Um, Can you maybe describe what your caseload looks like?
1: Yeah, so about... 57 students on my caseload I have my like my free uh, like kind of core schools that I'm at every year middle school and two elementaries and then one of the things I love about my job is every year is different so I'll pick up one or two other schools uh, for that year just to, like cover classes or take the whole the whole thing on or whatever depending on like that caseload need because I'm a, I'm a team leader for my purple team so I have to look at like caseloads too and be like okay let's uh, split these up and make sure they're nice and uh, fair but yeah I I tend to like small groups more than like uh so I've got a lot of small groups so that's why my student numbers are quite high compared to other people um but yeah that that's just my preference but I, I do take about I've got about 10 kids in the gen ed this year but usually it'll be about 20. yeah how, how big's your caseload
0: yeah so mine's different now that I'm a lead and I only cover one site but I used to be I mean I, I remember back when I had 75 kids on a caseload and then I've also had As many or as as many, but it's obviously a lesser number. Um, You know, now that I'm at one school site, I think I'm in the 20s, but I'm at a 2,700 kid comprehensive high school. So there's two two classrooms that I predominantly serve, Um, and my model's a little bit different than yours, actually. So um, I team teach quite a bit with general PE um, because my students are going to general PE regardless, because that's how their teacher's prep time is met. Now we can get into the legalities of all that. I admit that for people listening up front, the we can get into that. But the reason why I I, I choose to team teach is because what I will do is I will leave kids in that general PE environment for the greatest extent possible. And I will lead some activities that the whole class can do. Then when it's not appropriate, I'm still present then to provide that small group instruction that we know so many of our kids need. So for me, it's kind of a, it's a fix for, you know, including them, but then also being present to work with the paraprofessionals or work with some of the gen ed kids to make sure that, when that small group instruction is needed we' st- i'm still able to provide it because it wouldn't be appropriate to leave them in there for an entire hour-long period at a high school level
1: yeah but it sounds great for like that getting some inclusion time in as well as like meeting the needs in the small group sounds like a like a good situation really
0: yeah i i enjoy it i, I actually try to promote it a little bit because i feel like I've seen too many times in inclusion that a, a class just gets dropped on a general PE teacher and they're like i, I have Forty-five other kids right now, and you're bringing me kids with significant needs, and I and right. I'm I'm doing the best I can, but it's not great, and I don't think that's equitable or fair, quite honestly. So that's why I I say, all right, if you're gonna if you're gonna take kids so that the teachers can have their prep through, you know, they're contracted to have a prep. Nothing says it has to be PE, but that's just the way it works out, just about everywhere in my district. I then feel strongly that I need to be there to support them through that. So that's that's kind of where my head's at on that. So you mentioned that you do a lot of self-contained. I'm curious, what is with that in mind? It must it sounds like you know a lot of your kids just like you, you meet the class and you're like, oh, these kids obviously need adapted physical education based on whatever things, right? We can all kind of discern that pretty quickly. But I'm curious if you could talk about what's your assessment process look like for. And if you could walk me through going from determining services to what it looks like, maybe across the continuum of the kids' uh, educational
1: career. Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. So kids are screened at preschool, uh, so we can make sure they getting the services they need as soon as they start in kindergarten. Uh, like kids will come in from out of state, if like in like first grade or like whatever grade that they're coming in at, and uh, if there's if the P teacher can speak to the adaptive PE teacher because every school's got a designated ad- uh, adaptive PE teacher who they can consult with like oh listen we think this child might need some services so it's like an IEP team discussion and we'll go in and observe them in PE and uh and then decide okay well, we're going to evaluate this student and we've got a really comprehensive uh evaluation system Um uh, do you know Brad Wiener?
0: Oh, yeah, I've, so uh, Brad and I have cross paths for sure, and then I've I've attended right. professional developments of his. He's very good, very talented. Yeah,
1: he's yeah, he's amazing. He's our he's the boss. He's the program manager, the of our whole adaptive p department. So it's been amazing having him come in and just pretty much like uh, like we always had pretty good evaluations, but he's just they're, they're amazing and like in depth. And we've got all these um, templates and stuff. So it's uh, every Report we write now is, like, really in-depth. So it involves stuff like we do DC for, like, the young kids and then TGMD3 until uh, when they age out of that, we do the AMSAT. They're all, like, evidence-based, like... uh, stuff and then we'll do like an informal piece as well looking at different stuff uh like parts from different uh other different assessments and stuff and then we like consult with pt ot teachers parents the student himself that all goes in we review all the records medical details ieps progress reports that sort of stuff then we go and observe we look at adaptive behaviors locker room behavior all that sort of stuff and then the reports eventually peer reviewed. So it ends up, I think, I think I've got one I've just finished. It's about five or six pages. <laughs> it's like size 11 font with no spacing. So they're pretty, uh, pretty comprehensive uh, reports that we do.
0: Yeah. So your process sounds really similar to ours. My district is actually new to the DAC, but I've really been impressed by it. Um, that was one that we weren't familiar with, but a good chunk of my department attended a PD, uh, PD by Melissa Bittner at Long Beach. It was virtual, but she did a whole assessment course over the summer that I, I can't say enough about. I, I, I learned so much from it. It was great. And the Desi was one of the ones that that we picked up from that. And then, of course, the TGMD-3. It was interesting to hear you bring up the AMSAT. So that's one that I'm also familiar with. I always felt like I got some weird results from that. I'm curious if if you if you feel that way. I always felt like the results didn't align as strongly with the tgmd well, I wasn't doing the DC at the time, so I guess the TGMD. What was the two at the time? Have you found to get pretty good results from the AMSAT?
1: I've only I'm writing what I've only done one because we're new to the AMSAT and the DC this year. So mm. I've, I've I've just done one AMSAT. And it it just seems a bit strange that they do free locomotor and the grapevine and then the run and then uh, what's the last one? Jump, I think. I think the I think it's strange, and then to have like six or seven object control ones. And uh, you mentioned the TGMD too. I love that. Uh, I love that uh, evaluate, that tool because it was just so balanced. Like all the numbers just were in line. Like object control, at that. Like, you could like, kind of like even compare them to each other because it was the same. I think it was like forty eight was the maximum score or something. And yeah, I, I really like. I think I really like the TGMD two because of that. But does that made sense? I, I don't yeah. know. I'm just
0: yeah, like, yeah. Well, is your district given the TGMD three now, or are they still using the two?
1: Yeah, we moved to the TGMD 3. Yeah, and-
0: yeah, I think I think legally we have to, to be honest. I yeah. think when a new one comes out, we legally have to. Um, And then my district also, though, we have some ancillary sort of, um, and actually, candidly, I've, I've, I know Brad had a website at one time, and he had a bunch of assessments listed that I think he's created. But we have some internal almost checklists, I would say, yeah. that we use to help supplement, you know um that like let's take the TGMD but you have a you have a student that is yeah that has more significant needs they may not be able to access the test right and so you have to do the do the best you can but then you still want to give the parent some really great information so it's helpful to have one of those checklists that you know is maybe based on the developmental motor milestones and you can kind of you can kind of speak to that but now what about on a what about across a day? Right. So the, the assessments we just listed, those are those are used for initial assessments. They're used for triennials, but we're not really using those on the, on the daily. So I'm, I'm curious if you can maybe talk through how you track your goal progress or any other. Do you do any other smaller assessments on a, on a daily basis? This is actually a weakness in my teaching. I could get better about coming up with a daily checklist for the skills I'm doing quite candidly, but I'm curious. A, how you track goals, and if you have anything cool you can offer the audience that maybe, you know, and then B, do you do anything sort of across a unit in terms of assessment?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, I've got this pretty like, elaborate like system where I use Google Sites and Google Forms to collect all my data. So I haven't actually used a pen or a pencil for probably four years now. <laughs> I do everything digital digitally and like I can do it on my phone, uh, which I, which I don't do. So I've got an iPad, but I could, if I wanted to, I could I'd collect data on my phone, but I've got like, a school issued iPad that I use to collect all my data. And it's just click on the, click on the name, uh, and then I'll just input the data and it'll save it all automatically and it'll graph it everything and I'll put it in an Excel spreadsheet for when it's progress reporting time. And then everything's kind of like hyperlinked inside my like Google site. Uh, I actually meet uh, one of my former colleagues who we started the same year. He's a doctoral um, student at um, Virginia uh, uh, UVA. Mm-hmm. and he, great, great he, he just wrote an article that's going to be in palestra which like kind of like outlines uh, how to do like this like system with like google sites and like, i'm like co-authored on it but he like wrote most of it <laughs> uh, i just like kind of gave him some of the stuff that i've been doing too but yeah, that'll be coming out in palestra which is uh, like a little magazine that uv that dr block does that UVA? That was quite cool to do. But yeah, I haven't looked back since going paper-free. Like no more like scanning, no more printing. Like <laughs> most of my schools are not even on a printer anymore. So yeah, that's uh, nice. times, have it- times have
0: changed. Times have changed for sure. I'm curious on your Google Forms though. Uh I mean, they've they've revolutionized, I think, education at least on the on the back end for for teachers, right? Do you do you have a standard form that you that you use like on a daily, or do you come up with like a new form depending on your lesson?
1: We have like goals that we put on the students' IEP, so it would be like a goal for a year. So that's what we're tracking the data on. So yeah, we're just working on that one goal, so we don't have to create mul- multiple. It's just that one goal, and then. I'll use just like a spreadsheet. For, so say we're doing a pacer and like push-up and setups and stuff. I'll, I'll keep that on like a spreadsheet and then just like input. And I've got like little drop-down menus with the modifications. So it'll be like push-ups from these. So so next time when I go in and track that data, I can track the modification too. But yeah, it's, it's pretty like nerdy nerdy stuff, but it's yeah, it looks really nice. It's got all like the school logos on and accessible and- from them.
0: Did you, just, did you create that or is that something Brad did coming in as your new program manager or are you um, the expert?
1: I got the idea for Google Forms off one of my colleagues, uh, Dave Wurst, and then I kind of like took it and I was like, oh my God, this is like so much better. So I kind of went with that. And then Adam was the, using the, the doctoral student. He was doing the Google Sites stuff. So I was like, oh, that, that looks great too. So I kind of went with that as well. So it was just learning from my colleagues and just like oh this really works for me and uh, making it my own sort
0: of thing. Awesome. Well, I um maybe I can drop in the show notes the you know the link to your Google site or something like that, and people can at least get some ideas from it if you're if you're up for sharing it. Oh um, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll send you an email with everything. <laughs> yeah, that's that, <laughs> that, that perfect.
0: Um, you know we know so many of our learners are not auditory learners kinesthetic is the buzzword we all throw around right it kind of feels like it's all encompassing oh they're a kinesthetic learner and learn through movement learn through touch learn through vision all of it but uh we do know that a large portion of our population does really well with visuals um so i'm curious um do you regularly use visuals and if you do do you have any tips for the listeners on like where you get them or how you build them or anything like that
1: yes so i'm absolutely visual crazy so uh, back at one of my elementary schools in like 2018, we would uh, do our warm-ups and and then I just thought one day, because like, like, you hear about video models, like picture models and stuff all the time, so I was just like, can we film one of the PE teachers doing the warm-up exercises uh, and just put it on a screen? And what we found, it was uh, an enhanced autism class and what we found, so the kids were just like looking at the video and like... Before they would need like uh, physical prompts to do some of these moves. Now they that's looking at the video and following along to it, it was, it was kind of incredible. So, uh, we, uh, me and one of the PE teachers I worked with created this character called the PE chef who does all these stretch routines spaghetti and meatball curl ups, like alphabet soup, and it's all like cross curricular. And there's like funky backgrounds. We use the green screen and stuff. And he's wearing a chef's hat. So it's just... uh... So it kind of... uh, We had like a YouTube channel, uh, which I can share as well. Uh, And then when the pandemic happened we added it all onto this website called netflixkids.com and we add all the videos that we make and people other p teachers on youtube and like fitness videos and we add them all in like one space so we've got this like website uh, and it's got all like interactive videos and it's, it's like something i'm really like passionate about so uh yeah i create all most mostly my own Stuff I use uh, animation software called Vyond, uh, and you can kind of like, build your own videos. Uh, so I've I've got a lot of uh, resources um, just using these like animated videos, and I've got this interactive video software. So one of the videos is called Bones, the P Chef Bones, and there's a skeleton. You can it's a uh, you can touch the skull, and then it'll play you a video on what the skull is, or you can click its ribs. it'll tell you about the ribs and it and there's all these uh like extra interactive stuff on this uh on this video so that's something i'm really into uh like move it like i want to like kind of like create more resources like that uh
0: that's uh, incredible sounding i'm I'm curious if you've ever thought about um have you ever thought about doing or maybe you have actually i don't even know but have you ever thought about doing like a how-to video to share for people um because i feel like technology we're still at a point even though technology is everywhere to try something new people are sometimes intimidated or they're not sure where to go you ever thought about doing a how-to video on how to green screen or how to edit a video or how to put something together
1: well you know you don't even need a green screen anymore like the technologies I've got the software I use you can just remove the background with no green screen now so and like my phone can as well from pictures you can take the background off pictures so yeah like the the software has come this moves so fast that like I I don't think I'd even use a green screen
0: anymore. Um, it's remarkable, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that green screen like, it was so hard to use. I did it in twenty eighteen, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. get better. I'm gonna get better light, and I'm gonna get a better camera. I'm gonna do all this, and then I set it all up, and I'm like this is just like this is <laughs> the quality's got no better. It's it's like super hard to do. So. <laughs> well,
0: and this isn't related. This is a technology thing, but it's not related to doing videos. But it's just like where technology is going. So there's this. There's this really intelligent um, AI feature um, platform out called Chat GPT. I don't know yeah, if you've I heard tried of it. Yeah,
1: that out. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you can put into Chat. First of all, in terms of the world, you can put anything you want into this thing. Right. I, I, if I'm in a pinch with my kids, like my own children, I'm like, hey, um, I need a story. It gives me the whole story, right? You know, it, it's it's cool. But from an educational point, um, it's you can give it the parameters for an IEP goal, and it'll write an IEP goal for you. Yeah. So I. I, I, yeah. I I just share that because I know, again, I know it's not video, but just where technology is going and how it's going to influence our teaching. It's, it's remarkable.
1: Well, I actually tried that. Yeah. uh, I was like, so I saw, like, a, a teacher had done that with a goal. So I wonder if that would work with basketball, like a basketball goal, so I rowing, in And it was pretty good. I think I'll tweak it to make it more my style. But I also used it. So I made a video on my website. It's like the food group superheroes. That's so all these, like, superhero food groups. But I typed into the chat GPT, write a script for a uh, video about uh, the food groups and why they're important or something. And it wrote me this, like, full script that I put into the ai that's in my animation software and these like ai voices so it's just <laughs> i'm just set here, typing away and like computers are doing all this like crazy stuff making this like content for me so
0: it's incredible it's quite, and um, yeah it's uh it is it is remarkable where we're going with it and the other thing i was just going to say about chat gpt is you can ask it to give you a task analysis for shooting a basketball dribbling a basketball kicking ball and it'll give you Pretty close, like what you'd be looking for for like the parameters. Yeah. And like it's in five seconds, it spits it out for you, you know, and uh, it can, it can write emails Gary. for you. It's, I would tell people to check it out, but, um, um, I'm gonna be out of a job. <laughs> I know. I will, that oh, I know. Is that the path we're going? We'll have to, we'll have to wait and find out. I'm sad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got a few decades to go as well. Like, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: That to is a very like personal thing. I think. So I think yeah. Good.
0: Matt, um, it's, it's hard on a podcast to explain to people just how impressed with the things that I see you share on, on Twitter. So I was hoping you could, uh, twofold here. I was hoping that maybe, um, maybe just describe what a typical class looks like for you, but then maybe talk about some of the, you've already touched on the videos, but like, just, I I see you doing so many other, the, the video I was, I couldn't get enough of the other day was how you adapted ping pong. Um, you know, and so I think you put like a shooter on the paddle itself and it, it did that. And I know you do stuff with switches. Um, right. so maybe walk people through what a typical class and I know nothing's typical in our field, but maybe what a standard class looks like for for you in Virginia, and then maybe start to go into just what I think is some of the really innovative stuff I've seen you do.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll talk you through like a, a class in uh, my middle school self contained because that's like my uh, it's where I put most of my efforts into like planning and making sure uh because I've got to like plan it myself. Like I, I kinda like support other classes. But we they come in and we do warm ups. It's usually running, doing different like locomotive movements around. And then uh they come and sit down and we do our video uh, warm up. And this is good because uh, I've only got one class this year and it's 45 minutes. So I like to set up a lot of stuff and the kids are so used to this routine now. I can just go and set up the class while they're warming up. If I, I usually try to get there early, but sometimes I'm dropping two kids off at school. Uh, so <laughs> I'll get there a bit late. So I, I do have that time because these video routines kind of like teach themselves. So, but... We do different units, we did a, we've did we done a fitness unit, we did a, a golf unit where we just set up the whole room. I just said, please can no one not like, go in the weight room uh, for a week, because I'm gonna set up this like, um, golf course that I don't wanna have to tear down every day, it took like four hours to set up. <laughs> and so yeah, I just try and do units that I think would be fun, that are like aligned with what the middle school teachers are teaching too. So we've done basketball, we did a, just finished a racket and racket and paddle sports unit, which was really good and we're on a cardio drumming right now and then still to come we've got like volleyball baseball soccer uh probably do some dancing and some uh, like health stuff like muscles organs uh food groups and do some like nutrition and like health health stuff too but that's my plan uh but yeah so after the warm-up we'll just do whatever the activity is uh, and then i just try and come up with innovative ways to make sure that everyone can like participate and take part in, in that unit that we're doing. Yeah, so it's a lot uh what what else did you ask?
0: <laughs> oh, I just so I, I know you do a lot with switches. I I saw the way that you were really innovative with ping pong, so I've just seen a lot of outside the box thinking from you. Can you maybe just give one or two examples how you took an everyday um PE activity and adapted it for maybe an individual with some more significant needs that at first glance people would think, well, we can't make this game work or we can't right. make this activity work. If you can maybe just give one or two examples.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, we, we have like an, uh, an amazing ATS, assistive technology. Like every school's got an assigned ATS person who helps make stuff accessible through switches and stuff so i contacted them like after having a few uh i seen stuff on twitter and talking to like nicole and just seeing what people are doing with like leaf blowers and stuff so i said oh i want to get involved with this so my ats people just came like, oh yeah yeah yeah, and they came with baskets full of switches power links everything like, everything that i needed to like so i just got to play with um play with the stuff for a while but for example so I've got a leaf blower and then I've made like a frame out of PVC pipe for it so we can kind of like attach stuff onto it. So it's got a power link and it's got uh, a wobble switch, which is, uh, so if, if, if it gets knocked, it turns the leaf blower on. But I will put like a badminton uh, birdie on there or a pickleball or a tennis ball, something that, uh, what, what the students would be hitting. So they're hitting that and then the same things flying out of the leaf blower and going over the net sort of thing. But then I've also got, little uh clamps that swivel so i can attach a racket so the student uh depending on ability could just move the paddle uh, move the uh, the racket which would then hit the birdie on the wobble switch would which would then send the birdie off over the net so this is it's it's just i like to recreate the skill as much like because when i started it was just pushing a button and sometimes i just want my, I, I wanted my students to be doing more so if it's like a volleyball hit there could be getting the hand up higher or and hitting an actual volleyball and just trying to make it as authentic as possible using that technology
0: yeah it's awesome i mean i i i'm I'm not saying that lightly you know i could hype up any guest i suppose but the videos you put up i'm just like like wow I, uh, and I'm in the field and I'm still like, wow, like I, I didn't think of that. And I know, and you, you mentioned Nicole and that's Nicole McCoy. Who's actually uh, a guest is going to be a guest on the podcast. And then I've got yeah. Jeff Watkins coming on. Who's a yeah. former, we actually uh former undergrad. uh We were in some classes together and I know he's doing a lot of the stuff too. So he, really, yeah. it's all, it's really awesome stuff. The three of you at least, and I'm sure there's more out there. I know Jody Duff's great too, but the three of you do some great
1: yeah. work. Yeah. So me, Jeff and Nicole do a lot like, I've worked with them so many times. Me and Jeff traveled down to, like, because he lives in Maryland, so met together a few times to present together. And, yeah, we're always texting and, like, oh, have you got any ideas for this? Do you want this? And, yeah, we share share a lot of stuff. And I like to think that we can kind of, like, push all three of us, kind of, like, push each other to, like, like, thinking about new ideas and stuff. And we actually have a – I started a Padlet, so we can just post Twitter – like posts or youtube videos for like ideas um for what's ATS, a padlet so. what's
0: a padlet i'm not sure everyone listening knows what a padlet is
1: so it's just it's it's like a board that you can post stuff to so me jeff and nicole would post so you can post it under basketball like like using a leaf blower to shoot a basketball and there's like how-to videos but it's just why i'm trying to like collect all these ideas in one place so if someone wants to do it it just padlet.com
0: is it just padlet.com uh it's it's like a special link uh but if you google padlet it should come up then for people that are interested uh not
1: not my specific no no sorry sorry, just sorry just
0: padlet and if people wanted to become make a padlet yeah yeah got it got it so it's it's like it's it sounds almost like a like a bulletin board like you can put things on it like it's a bulletin board to save for later
1: use yeah and it's just got like tweets and instead of like looking through Twitter and for like, it's just like a yeah, place to collect stuff and ideas.
0: So uh, wrapping up before we get to our fast five, um, how do you stay up to date on best practices in the field? Do you, are you a member of Nick or do you subscribe to any journals or, you know, obviously Twitter's great, but how do you stay up to date on the field changes in the field? Best practice.
1: Um, so there's a few journals like the palestra from UVA, but uh, it, but I mean, if you've got any more that you'd like to recommend, uh, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, like Twitter is like my main one. I'll go and like see what other teachers are doing. Like uh, um, and the podcast, uh, the what's new in in Adapter P, That's a good place to go and find out. And then our boss Brad uh, sends a weekly email out, and he'll he'll be sharing like his knowledge and uh, research and like everything else that's a that's a nice read on a monday morning to keep up to date
0: yeah i i can't did, did you have any about... like
1: journals or anything or
0: yeah so i was going to suggest oh, Nick Peed, which is um the national consortium for physical education for individuals with disabilities i th- and it's a tongue twister and if i got yeah, that it, wrong yeah. to anybody so uh i'm a member of Nick Peed, which gives you access to journals but the biggest benefit that i've found to Nick nickpeed is their um I guess I'll refer to them as a webinar series. I'm not sure their official name, but it seems like monthly they have different presentations. And they've, the past, the last one that they, that was, um, I've missed the last few. So the last one I tuned into was uh, a a professor named Cynthia Vargas, who gave like two and a half hours on the IEP process and the legal, the legalities of it and everything. And um, it was, it was, uh, in fact, yesterday we had a PD for our own staff that, and we pulled from it to share with them on least restrictive environment and, the factors that go into the least restrictive environment. It was all just really helpful stuff. So I think in addition to everything you've laid out, yeah, I think Nick Peed's a fantastic resource.
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. i yeah, I've definitely heard of them. I've, I've seen them at like ISAPR. I think they were there. They had a table there, but, uh, yeah, I need to uh, probably read more. <laughs> I'm not the most academic, I'm more like I like to get my hands on stuff and like play about with stuff rather than uh <laughs> I've never been like yeah I've never
0: been an academic really. Hey, you're like our kids, you learn through doing. So Yeah, yeah. Um all right, this brings us to our fast five portion. All right, so I just have five questions that typically will just have a pretty quick answer, whatever comes to mind for you, just 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 uh throw it out there and um we'll we'll see what you come up with. So first one, what's your favorite piece of equipment?
1: The one I find the most fun is- is uh, probably my soccer bot 3000. So I've got this moving target. It was, like, it was like a shooting game that you can get on Amazon for like 40 bucks. And I basically, they stripped off everything off that, put a shirt on, pool noodle with some like goalie gloves and like a, a pirate like emoji head and then it just moves side to side in the goal and uh, the kids can like shoot soccer balls and it's got like a moving goalie and it's it just fun like something i did to try and make uh make it more engaging
0: i will i think i saw i think i saw that the other day on on twitter and i um I was like, wow, that looks pretty fun for the kids. Yeah, fact, um, I think Jeff Jeff uh, did a post about it as well. So he he did it too. <laughs> yeah, um, you talked earlier. You talked, you know, about all the different technology stuff you do. So I'm curious to hear what you come up with for this one. But what's your favorite app to use when teaching?
1: Uh, it's, it's not an app, but just my website, NetflixKids.com. I uh, I use it for everything, like all my like video routines, like all my lessons that I, that I do. are kind of like all, all on there, so I use that multiple times a day apps i just kind of like link to like websites more more than an actual app yeah but yeah i'd say my website even though it doesn't really class as an app
0: <laughs> and did you did you say netflix which i use for sure use during covid so i think i'm just making the connection is that actually netflix is yours
1: uh yeah uh i i i did it for as I, I did my master's Uh. George Mason uh in like two right before the the pandemic in like 2019 uh and it was like a school improvement project so I I created like Netflix it was just like a pdf with some like links to videos and uh, yeah posted it on Twitter and then like other people started making their own like Netflix stuff as well so people were like posting and it, it got better it was like a Google um Google Slides that was interactive that you could click and then, and then I was just like, you know, what? I'm gonna make it into like a website. So I, and so I just searched for Netflix Netflix theme on wordpress and then it was oh my god that's you just upload like youtube videos so it's just kind of kind of escalated from there Then there's like two thousand videos on there now so it's like a it's like a database of like p and health videos that I've kind of try and stay on top of but it's like work <laughs> adding to it and keeping it fresh but
0: i didn't make the connection until now so thank you for that because you bailed me <laughs> out during virtual teaching that we all had to go through so um, all right question number three in our fast five here best teaching purchase under a hundred dollars
1: okay I'd say the works leaf blower uh it's like 60 bucks on Amazon and it's got everything you like if you want to do like adapting like stuff with a leaf blower that's the one you want to get uh, I'd also add on to that you, if, if you don't have ats like I do and you can just get switches whenever you want or uh, you can get like a power cable so Debbie Lacastro go gave me this idea she's a colleague i work with i just wanted to give her the shout out to make sure it's not like i'm not good but you know like uh, an extension cord that you use for like a christmas tree lights or something you, and you, you can step on it to turn it on and off you can use one of those and use those as a switch for a kid if you don't have the budget and they're like 10 bucks so i'd say that and the leaf blower and then you'll be able to do a lot with that
0: very cool um one thing in your teaching bag that you just can't live without
1: say the ipad because i don't have anything printed out or pencils anymore so i need that to collect my data
0: <laughs> you know what? i am i'm reasonably tech savvy and i love ipads and iphones but you know what's hard is that in san diego i'm outside so much so seeing the screen okay. is still still a little bit still a little bit tough you know obviously right. step into the shade screen brightness up all the way but I think it's a little easier for those of you that still experience some level of winter and, and are inside and things like that. Um, Freezing, home now. yeah, yeah. Um, well,
1: I've got like will... a so I've got like a strap as well for it, which is really handy. You can kind of like carry it around and have your hands free as well. So if people use iPads, get like the case of a strap.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen those, and and the people that can make it work, it's it's nice. They just have it right at their side. They pull it up. They put in what they need. They put it back down. They can go kid to kid. It's it's less cumbersome. Um, all right, Matt, you're pretty well into your teaching career for this last question. I'm just curious, what is a piece of advice you'd want to offer any other adapted PE teacher, anyone in our
1: so Come and, come and work in Fairfax County, Virginia. Come and join the team. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, I, t- I told Brad that I was coming on and I told him that I would uh, promote the program and get some like great teachers who are like listening to podcasts like this to Come in, like, join us in Virginia.
0: <laughs> well, let Brad know. I actually want to get him as a guest too. So if you can do a little bit yeah. of, maybe oh, you, yeah, can be, yeah. you can be the tailing agent going both ways, maybe hyping up Fairfax County, Virginia will also then right. maybe get me connected to Brad. Matt, it's been an awesome conversation. I want to give you a chance. Where can people find you so that they can check out all the great work you're doing?
1: So I've got a, a link tree, which has all my links to like websites and like the ATS stuff, which I can share, uh, but Twitter. Uh, at Digit the Ape is uh, where I post most of my stuff, and then from there you can you can find that link tree with uh, the links to everything.
0: Why don't you spell that handle for people since it's not your name? Okay.
1: D i g i t t h e a p e Digit Ape.
0: Awesome, Matt! You've given some just awesome information today, and I really appreciate it. So thanks for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. It's great to meet you.